Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Search Engine Sessions. Today, myself and Ben Alfrey. Hi, Ben. Yeah, our head of SEO. He, we are going to be talking about how you can go about building links to your website without actually asking for them. Very. Left Sounds wing. amazing, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah very difficult. Doesn't sound possible. Yeah. Um, obviously, for those of you who have heard us speak or listened to the podcast before, we're obsessed with links in the fact that they're one of the driving factors which if you acquire high quality links to your site from good and relevant domains, it allows you to rank above your competition in certain circumstances. And what we talk about a lot is the outreach process and you know the content you can create to outreach to publications and relevant blogs. But today we're going to be talking about how you can create content which allows these publications and journalists and other people to come and find you and quote you as a source without you actually having to go out and you know pitch it to them because mm. necessarily sometimes if you if you're an in-house marketer and you haven't got you know massive budget or you know you've got some time constraints then this could be a way in which you could start looking at outreach or creating content which acquires you links without that not the brute force technique but without scaling an outreach team yeah. or hiring a hiring an agency yeah well i mean seo is hard work um but there's also two sides of the coin. Uh, the first one is you could be working for a relatively sp strong brand that's quite mm -hmm. new to the whole SEO kind of stratosphere. You know, mm -hmm. they actually in turn have a strong domain rating, they're strong with their user base, with their audience base, but they've never actually focused on SEO. And then the other side is actually building that authority, becoming that go-to resource for your company and mm -hmm. actually creating that site that they have that kind of presence online as becoming that go-to for Mm -hmm. their audience and their customer base as well yeah no 100 percent agree so the first thing i want to talk about today is all about making your company a source for the industry so you'll see it all the time and it's like the the intro stat every or a lot of blog posts you read even in big publications would normally start with a stat so if someone's talking about um i don't know apple products they'll start with a a quote that says you know 50% of the UK population use Apple products and that will be hyperlinked and there'll be a source of some credible resource. That person, which they've linked to, which is probably a big website, hasn't gone and outreached for that link. What they've done is they've created that information which sits on their sites and the publication or the, the journalist has gone and typed in how many people or what stats of people use Apple products. The journalist has then found that blog post obviously seeing the uh, you know, information there is relevant and insightful and useful and all that stuff and then proactively quoted to it because it's mm. useful. Mm. So you've got to think about this from a way in how you can implement it in your own industry. So for us, we could do something like, you know, um, you know B2B marketing statistics or SEO stats, you know, um, in the UK or whatever it may be. And then people, you know, who are journalists who are writing about SEO will type statistics in around SEO, they'd find us and then end up quoting our sources. Mm. And it's something that companies like HubSpot have done really, really well. I mean, I think their most linked to blog article is marketing statistics. So if you type in marketing stats, they have a long list of all the different types of marketing stats. And I think it's been linked to what, 9,000 9, different referring domains mm -hmm. that people have linked to that page. Mm -hmm. It's just ridiculous because it just creates themselves as a, as a all-in-one resource. Yeah, and in turn, you might actually have this information available. Um, if I go back to the first example in which, mm. let's say your site is an authority, but you've never focused on SEO, you know, your company's been around for a while and uh, you, you've just kind of built up actually this natural kind of pool of 
authority then digging into something like search console finding really kind of long tail mm -hmm. questions that are quite specific either to you or to your industry that may not show up any search on hrefs for example you then can start build content around that or mm -hmm. build data to kind of answer or support that question mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. so you may actually have that information or have the kind of intel as to what someone's looking for already available there and then <laughs> you can start kind of building on it as well yeah and i think that's important it doesn't have to be massively high search volume i mean this content isn't targeted at your customer or the consumer no. is targeted at other publications. So even if there's only 10 people a month looking for that, that's still 10 potential publications which are looking for the data which you're writing about. Yeah. And yeah. if you can you know, appear in front of them, then they're likely or it's very you know, possible that you're gonna be accredited as the source mm. for that, which yeah. is how the web should work. Yeah. So say if you're in the food industry, one of the great ways to do keyword research to actually create content targeted at publications looking for that you know, intro line stat, let's call it, is you look at things like food stats or statistics or facts or how much. There's always a big thing around people always looking how much yeah. XYZ costs and mm -hmm. they want to reference that back somewhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you own like a gazebo company, for example, or a software company, doesn't matter what industry, you're going to have insight on how much people charge within the industry and you know different stats along the lines of in yeah. different locations maybe it's different prices if you can create this information and package it in a way which can easily be found by search engines then that information is gold for yeah. people quoting for it because we're always looking for stats to quote to make our work more credible yes yeah for sure and to add on to that as well um you know we, we love our engineering references here because i think it's such a kind of opposite side of the seo yeah. coin but you know, we could identify that people are looking for how long does a compact or free air compressor last for, or what's the lifetime cost for over three years, a super kind of long tail mm -hmm. um, search in which probably wouldn't shut up on Ahrefs as having any search volume, but mm -hmm. we can maybe see in Search Console, oh, we know that speaking from customers, this is a typical pain point, something that they want to know. So we can yeah. create content around that. And because of the low competition in the market, we will in turn start ranking for that and then it will become mm -hmm. the go-to resource for other sites and, and things like mm -hmm. that. So there's always kind of a little seed, I think, somewhere in which you can get started with this. Mm -hmm. No, definitely, definitely agree. And um, it hasn't always got to be primary data. I mean, it should be primary data and the way in which it will work the best is if you do your own research and collect your own data or find a correlation or whatever it may be. Um, but the biggest... Like one, like I mentioned, with um, with uh, what they call HubSpot, mm. that's the one. All they did was collate other people's research onto the same page, and you know, that is a bit of a hack in the fact that they didn't do a lot of that data. All they did was became the go-to resource for yeah. everyone else's data, yeah. and then what they've kind of um depended on as people not attributing the source correctly. So rather yeah. than going and actually linking to the original source, which did the study, because yeah. they're the ones that have collated it and it's yeah. where people found it, some people can get a bit lazy when it comes to attribution, which mm. in our eyes isn't the correct way to do it. But no. if you're a, a marketer trying to get links, then you know it could be a definitely a, a low budget way of going and collating everyone else's data. Yeah, and you yeah. will ultimately end up getting links because people don't know how to attribute it properly. Yeah, of course. And you know, you, you could in turn kind of say when you link out to a site as well, that's gonna flag up on one of their link crawlers or an href scrape yep. or something like that. Yep. Um, but there's also kind of two approaches that we can take is that if we're looking at kind of demographic information, that that information is probably going to be available broadly speaking, if we're talking about the UK via the ONS or Google AdWords or something like that, 
if we're going kind of more company specific or very very niche industry then mm. you may have that information in your um in your crm you may have the sales data you may have uh, customer information in which actually is kind of stuck in a back end somewhere and that you can actually create content and pull statistics out mm -hmm. for that as well and mm -hmm. completely bring it new to world yeah no definitely there's got to be lots of different creative ways that one which i imagine some of the listeners can can work out how yeah. they can create content it's anyone have any ideas or any interesting ways in which you've done it then just definitely let us know that'd no, be awesome i know for sure and i was just going to add on you know that this this is kind of another kind of pro get marketing to work with sales get marketing to even work with um, you know, well, I guess the field sales guys, the guys that actually speak to your customers, the guys mm -hmm. that crunch the numbers, the accountants, you know, mm -hmm. everyone that kind of has a, a touch point with the business uh, or the customer or something like that, they're going to have intel that you can probably bring to the website that you can create content around. So, yeah. you know, by and large, use it. The chances are you're probably sitting on a gold mine of something, but you, you just don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So creating stats becoming a source try and get in that first line of people and the great thing about getting a link in the first line of a blog as well is the fact that you know there's definitely uh people out there that think that that is the uh most powerful link on the page isn't the sure. first one so yeah you know it's just not only you getting a link from a decent publication you're getting a link from a publication right at the top where you know yeah. people think it's weighted the most mm -hmm. i'm not sure that's ever been confirmed but it's definitely a sounds about right it sounds about right yeah let's go with that <laughs> cool so um second one is all around making i've got written down here making your content instagrammable and i think what i mean by that is when you create content which is seen a lot ultimately there's going to be people out there reading your content who are going to want to use images or graphs which you've created for their own content because obviously when people yeah. are creating their own content a lot of people don't go and create their own images they want to use someone else's image out there um, so what you can do is if you design your you know long form blog posts have a nice infographic have you know beautiful graphs which illustrate content and sort of correlations and numbers then people are undoubtedly if they can find it going to use that content on their own website yeah and someone like brian dean from backlinko.com uh, is sort of a master of this if you're looking for any actionable examples he doesn't create lots of content but when he does he creates beautiful content they're all design power pages and all of his like uh you know graphs are used across every single marketing blog under the sun yeah. and you know therefore it makes him one of the biggest authorities in the space along yeah. with other reasons obviously no i completely agree i think sometimes it's easy to forget that <clears throat> when we're creating content for publishers for anyone to link to there, there's kind of there's always an element of ego and vanity around it you know you could have the best data in the world and you could probably still get a story out of it. You could probably still get it written about. But if the design really doesn't step up to the plate, mm -hmm. then the vanity, the ego is going to come into the publisher and they're, they're not going to want to reference it. So, you know, if you can make your design, which is completely in your control, absolutely incredible, you mm -hmm. know, mind-blowing, new-to-world stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for us, we always try and make our next creative best than the last, regardless of the kind of the type of creative, you know, infogram and infographic yeah. and microsite or whatever then the publisher is going to feel far more inclined to actually want to reference it and find a way to to kind of fit it in yeah. as well. Yes, it's a shock and awe, isn't it? So yeah. in any aspect, whether you want someone to find your content and link to you or whether you want a customer to read your content and think, you know what, this is miles better than anything else that I've seen out there, then, you know, that's how you build a loyal following and build links from the same piece of content. So it's yeah. all about a content strategy. It shouldn't just be words and, you know, can you write a 10,000 piece article it should be how does my content look and can it be you know instagrammable in the fact that people do actually you know 
you know, they were impressed by yeah. it because it happens very rarely. It's very rare I see a piece of content that I'm impressed by. Really. No, of course. And uh, I think YouGov's a good example in that, you know, everything's kind of always dressed up. So it's very, very easily digestible, as you say, kind of Instagrammable. You can see that nice. stuff sort of being shared um, across the web. And that's kind of where you can add your value. You know, mm -hmm. we go back to primary or secondary research. If you are using secondary research and you're using stats from the ONS or Google Ads or, or whatever you're pulling this data from, mm -hmm. your value comes from creating it in such a way that makes it easily digestible. So people actually want to share it. They want to put it onto their site. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And I think it kind of segues into the fact that it's not only about people finding your blog posts, it's about people finding the images you create. Mm. So every header image which you create for a blog post should be not a work of art, but it should be extremely, what's the word? You know, picture paints a thousand words. Can you create yeah. an image which illustrates your point within, you know, encapsulates that point just within the image? Yeah. And then the amount of people, I think the Google, uh, the image searches on Google are, are massively on the rise. Mm. I don't know what the exact figures are year on year, but I know that it's one of the places that people like publications do go out there, click image search, or type in their search query, and oh, if they can course. find the image straight away, that's what they're going to be using. Yeah. So if you can optimize um, your images for Google search, which is obviously things like the, the file name and the alt yeah. tags and making sure that you know links are being built to that page yeah. in itself, then you know, you're in great stead to, to be seen from an image perspective. Well, you can see that because the image is now far more prevalent in the SERPs mm. as well. Um, we yes. had one example for one campaign in which we created a, a really long infographic that you know thankfully for us got, got some really good traction but we also created like a, a sub image that I think I even threw together on an old PowerPoint that didn't actually look that great but we managed to also rank that image number three for the target term as well so when you typed in the term we had us at number two our kind of URL at number two but we had our image at number three yeah. and by and large we actually found a lot when we did a reverse image search we found a lot more publishers actually just using that image purely because it explained the information in a nice easily digestible square yeah yeah and yeah it, it gets picked up organically doesn't it yeah because then a big publication will use that image then smaller publications because you know the readers of that publication also have their own blogs and then pick up that image exactly. so if you can create something really nice and digestible in image format <coughs> then it's just you know if you get one big placement it's just going to trickle down yeah like the like the Pareto, Pareto is a Pareto Pareto's law, isn't it? The eighty twenty. So I'm you, not even you get them in the top twenty percent <laughs> of publications. Eighty percent of the people that read them, you know, also going to end up linking to them as well. Yeah. I mean, that happened with our one of our first ever infographics. You know, got it placed in um, social media today, and um, you know, off the back of that, you got links from publications in which, if we even if we did outreach, we couldn't have got placed in them because yeah. people aren't receptive to outreach necessarily at that level. But mm. you know, they they did it because they came across it organically. So mm. there's no downside to creating beautiful content no and i think <laughs> apart actually, from the cost and, t and time no but of course even then I, it pays back dividends but i think that's that's part and parcel of seo if seo was low cost low barrier to entry it'd mm. be i mean it is saturated anyway with with a lot of markets but it'd be saturated to the point where there'd be kind of no real value in it anymore yeah. um, but i think it's it's always worth creating good images to really actually almost have like a mini image strategy with every piece of content you build so yeah. you have your kind of all text in place you know you you kind of have a look at what sort of images are performing well and just try and create something that much better because mm -hmm. actually with image search ranking i think it's far easier to kind of see your images start jumping up and for that to kind of go under the radar and then in turn 
actually if it's quite an image focused keyword such as you're looking for a statistic or a step-by-step -step or something like that then you'll actually find that people are far more receptive to actually linking to those and using those for far more than maybe even clicking on your url and actually scrolling down mm -hmm. your web page <coughs> yeah definitely so as far as it goes building links is definitely not an easy practice and when it comes to seo and the whole digital marketing sphere i'd probably say it's one of the hardest things we talk a lot about our link building process from an outreach perspective but this definitely i wouldn't say replaces the, the need to actually create content and reach out to publications but it's something that should definitely supplement it and the fact yeah. that if it's the closest you're going to get to building links in mm. your sleep unless you have automated outbound sequences <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but yeah no, this is definitely a, a scalable way that you know you could not outreach it for 12 months and we're still building links for pieces of content which you know we've optimized for journalists finding them mm. so if you optimize it for around a search query which you know you know they have or have a good idea that people you know are researching stats or you know facts around certain topics and then you know once they found it then they see your good image or you know your nice graph or whatever it may be mm. sort of the two-step process optimize for search or long tail search queries for journalists and then secondly you know create beautiful content yeah i'd also add on you know if you've got um five ten percent of your pages blog you know blog content bringing in most of your traffic then mm. go back to those pages and see how can i create yes. images out of some of this content some of the stats Definitely, that we've yeah. got and then you're only kind of improving your opportunity to get that link to as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, so I think definitely that's, that's an amazing takeaway. If you have access to your company's analytics, go in there, go into your uh, landing page report in Organic and see which blog is driving the most traffic. See, one, if you can create an image, which, you know, if people are reading that, 100 people a month are reading that blog potentially potentially one of them could be a journalist create an image in which that journalist may feel tempted to steal or yeah. can you add any primary research to that thing also which someone may be you know interested in sort of like repurposing and using and referencing on their blog so definitely, definitely an actionable tip to take away from today if you take away nothing else um that's everything from me ben do you have anything else to add uh, on this topic speaking, yeah <laughs> great to speak to you <laughs> and you speak to you next week <laughs> yeah, see you later guys thank you bye-bye